and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. I am your boy Buzz, and I'm joined by my dude NWI Steve, and we are here after a 7-4 White Sox victory over the Kansas City Royals. Before we get into the episode, be sure to go to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Following us on Twitter at Socks on Tap and on Tap Sportsnet. And anywhere you can listen to podcasts, you can listen to us. So be sure you're giving us a five-star rating and review because that shit's cool and tough. Steve, 7-4 victory, man. Socks are solely in first place again. How you doing? Hey, yo, Buzz. Doing good, man. It's nice to be back on here with one of these uh, with you. It's been far too long, and it's nice to be talking about a White Sox winner and back in first place. Yeah, absolutely, man. It was a, it was an exciting game, too. Sox, you know... Sox hopped on early with a one nothing lead here in the first inning. And, you know, I just I, – I, I'm, I'm happy from what I saw. Before we get into all the scoring and stuff like that, I'm happy of what I saw out of Dane Dunning again. I thought he, he looked real good. Um, it was the highest pitch count that he's had. Um, I think this was, what, his third start, if I'm not mistaken. It's his third start. He went 88 pitches tonight. He uh, In four and two-third innings, he let up five hits. Um Three runs, three of them earned. He walked four, he struck out four. It wasn't the greatest outing for him, but he did look good. He got himself out of a couple jams, and it could have very well been, uh, Steve, two earned runs um, if Ricky had challenged that play at the plate. Um, I think it was in the third inning or so. Um, but, yeah, I, I was pretty I was pretty happy of what I saw from Dane Dunning. wanted you to touch on that real quick. Yeah, you know, I think the the thing with Dane tonight was, um, and it was pretty obvious, and this is something that Stone had talked about, he just really didn't have good command of his fastball here today. Um, you know, there were a lot of sequences early in this game in particular where he would get ahead of hitters 0-2-1-2, and McCann would be looking for that fastball up in the strike zone, or, or excuse me, up out of the strike zone here to try to finish off at bats, and he just wasn't able to locate it where he wanted to, so he was giving up some hits or even when um, he was inducing outs on it, he, he was not able to effectively hit his spot. So, um, again, this is a guy that's, you know, coming off of Tommy John surgery, so he's still building up his arm strength um, and, you know, having to do it here at the major league level, that there is a significant task involved with with something like that. So he, he was able to go out there and battle today. Um, you know, unfortunately, wasn't even able to get through the five innings, which has been far too par- problematic and uh, something that has been happening pretty regularly for this starting rotation here. Um, but, you know, the bullpen really was able to pick up the slack here today for the most part, aside from uh, things getting a little bit hairy there in the eighth and the ninth innings with uh, Matt Foster and Alex Colomay. Um, and then just wanted to kind of circle back on something that you touched on there. You know, the, the play at the, at the plate that Ricky didn't challenge on, um, I know I saw a lot of people really kind of harping on him for not taking the challenge on that. Um, I thought it really was a coin flip on it. I personally didn't, th- I, I thought it was too close to say definitively that McCann got the back foot, the, the back foot, um, on Michael Franco when he was sliding into the plate. So, you know, there would have been a tremendous risk involved with taking that challenge at that particular spot right there, just because I didn't think that there was enough visual evidence right there to overturn that call at the plate. Yeah, I was watching it back and forth, and I felt like I saw McCann touch him, but you could very well be right. If it's in, you know, if you can't prove it, they're going to tend with the call on the field, and you're probably right. That's probably how it would have went. I just, uh, I, I was hoping they, you know, I, 
I'm trying to keep Dane Dunning's ERA low. <laughs> I don't know why I just dig it, you know, so I don't like when he's getting any runs against him. Obviously, nobody does, you know, if you're watching the game or whatever. But, uh, yeah, so um, let's get into the scoring here. So Tim Anderson starts off the game. He gets a hit immediately, right? Then we get Yoan Mankata, I believe. Did Mankata get a hit in that first inning there, or did he walk? He got a base hit. Yeah, he did get a base hit in that first inning. Okay, that's what I thought. Anyway, Edwin ends up coming up after Jose. He hits sacrifice five fly. Socks go up one nothing. You know, it seems that Edwin's finally putting the barrel on the ball there. He's, he's getting a little bit more pop. Um, I just, man, I really hope he puts it together. And from all the stats that I've seen lately, is his numbers are starting to pick back up. He's starting to make harder contact. He's uh, generally a slow starter. Um, you know, but I digress. You know, thank God we, we, we go up one nothing. Then the top of the second inning, Nick Madrigal singles on a sharp ground ball, center field. Eloy scores. McCann goes to third after a fielding error by uh, by Alvarez there. So that was good. Um, you know, Sox, basically, they, they go up 2 nothing off the bat, and then, you know, Kansas City gets their run in the bottom of the second inning. Scoreless third. Sox get a run in the fourth inning. And then Kansas City scores two to tie the game up, 3-3. Three, three going into the fifth inning Sox score again. Obviously, the Sox just kind of ran away with this. The, the Twins were never a threat. The Sox get up 14 hits to the Twins' nine. I just – can you speak to Jose Abreu's offense real quick? Because in the sixth inning is when the Sox really just kind of blew it off, you know, blew it up there because they were up 4-3 to three going into the sixth. And then um, – or I'm sorry, 5-3 to three going into the sixth, I believe it was. No, it was 4-3. to three. And then Jose Abreu hits his double to make it 6-3. Uh, to three. You know, can you can you just speak on Jose Abreu's season real quick before we, you know, break down the rest of the game? I think that he's just been absolutely fantastic. He gets these huge fucking hits, and it just seems like every time he comes up to the plate this year, it's been him delivering. These doubles, whatever, hitting a, hitting a home run. I mean, 18-game hitting streak for Pito right now. It's been He's been absolutely unreal. Yeah, you know, and I'll, I'll speak to Jose Abreu in a second. There, there's one thing, I, a couple of things I didn't want to gloss over here that I, I thought were pretty important here as I was watching this game. Um, you know, the Sox had a couple of really critical um, base running plays. You know, one in the fourth inning with the hit and run with Nick Madrigal with Nomar Mazzara on, on first base that was able to set up a the Timmy Sack fly right there. So magical being able to put the bat on the ball again uh, was pretty crucial. And then in the fifth inning, this is something that's not going to show up in the box score. Edwin Encarnacion gets down in the count. Oh, two is able to work a walk. And then he's able to go first to third on the base hit by Eloy right up the middle. That's a critical play right there because if, if Edwin doesn't get to third base, he doesn't score on the wild pitch that happens in the fifth inning right there. So, you know, that's something that can't be understated right there, the importance of this team being able to take extra bases when they're out there on the base paths. And they've been doing that with great consistency here um, throughout the you know first 39 games of this season. So that's been great to see. Um, to your point about Jose Abreu, look, you know, he, he had a um, another bad at bat in the first inning when he had runners on second and third, nobody out, wasn't able to produce a run. But by and large for the season, I mean, he has just been um, an absolute machine when it comes to getting critical hits in, in big spots, especially with runners on base. And I mean, this is something that he has done throughout the course of his career. Um, that 
that two-run double in the sixth inning right there, I mean, that just really epitomizes what Jose Abreu has been since putting on that White Sox uniform. And, you know, he was able to go and, and really kind of give this team a nicer cushion, give him a nice 6-3 lead at that point right there. Um, and it's just Jose Abreu doing what Jose Abreu does. Yeah, Jose Abreu things are cool and tough. I just I love when he comes through in in critical moments, and it's just this season's been a real pleasure to watch him. I mean, it's just he's been on another level. That's why I kind of wanted to touch on. It. I haven't been on the show in a while, and um, you know, just because of the babies being here and it's just been hectic, and I fall asleep at nine thirty now because I'm old as shit and I can't keep up. Um, but you know, I just I, I stayed up this time. I was able to watch the game from beginning to end without crashing out, and it, it was very nice. And it was just it was a nice game to watch. You know, I, I did I was able to watch most of the Minnesota series. I did crash out a couple times, but I mean that that kind of sucked. But I'm just glad about how the Sox have performed. Um, you know, they're beating the teams that they're supposed to beat, and I know. You know, a lot of people, Tony, you know, our guy Tony has said it too. He's just like, you know, people are, are very, are still upset if this is a regular season without an expanded playoff. And I understand that, um, you know, maybe the Sox aren't a great team yet, but they're a very good team and beating the teams that we're supposed to beat right now, Steve, is what's going to help us. And I just, uh, I, I've been enjoying it. You know, it's going to build confidence. It's going to get us better seating. Hopefully, hopefully help us win the division here. Um, I'm just Again, I'm stoked at what we're seeing. Absolutely fucking stoked at what we're seeing. Um, so throughout this game, you know, as the game ends, you know, Sox actually don't commit an error in this game, which is fucking beautiful. Want to throw that out there real quick. No fielding errors. Sox were clean throughout the game. It's nice to get back to that point. Um, and then I wanted to touch on Alex Colome real quick, man. You know, I'm a Colome supporter. I believe you are too. Right, you were for column A for closer. I know that you wanted to put Bummer there, if I'm not mistaken. I know that, but I know that you had said before. I think this is when we were in, in the garage at, at Casa de Marchese, was if it's working, don't break it. But you were looking towards the future. Am I right on that, or am I off? Yeah, you know, coming into the season, I actually I was advocating for Bummer to you know take that closer role. Um, I will say this, you know. Aside from maybe the last uh, couple of appearances here, you know, Colomy's done a very solid job this year. He's been he's been actually getting ahead in counts uh, consistently on guys. His strikeout rate is actually up in comparison to where it has been the last two years or so, and he's inducing soft contact. And, and so, you know, one of the things that I've actually looked at is, you know, he's he's really increased the usage pattern on his cutter. And um, he's basically eliminated his changeup entirely. And he's thrown the cutter predominantly and then working in the four seam fastball with it. And look, he's been getting the results to this point here. You know, so I, I've really backed off on, on that train here at, at this point. Um, you know, the last two appearances that he's had have been a little bit rough. You know, out there, um, you know, tonight in, in particular, look, you know, he was out there and um, he, he was falling behind in counts pretty consistently and having some issues putting hitters away when he was getting ahead of him. Oh, two, one, two, uh, that has been really outside the norm for him for the most part with this season. Um, so, I mean, I haven't really had a whole lot to complain about with Alex Colomay here over the last couple of weeks. Um, hopefully, you know, these last two appearances is just a blip on the radar. It also could just be symptomatic of a bullpen that is just taxed right now. And, and they're being, put in an unfortunate position where they are having to cover more outs than they really should be at this juncture because the starting pitching is just simply not getting deep enough into games with consistency. 
That's a huge. That's a huge point because if it's not Giolito and Keuchel, I mean, it, no, no other pitcher on this team is going deep, and uh, we we witnessed it. Even in the Minnesota, we witnessed in the Minnesota series a little bit too, and and you know the other day. Um, I mean, how many days in a row did Cordero pitch? You know, I mean, then Ricky was, you know, lining up C-Sheck again tonight. And I was just like, oh, my God. I'm like, he's killing these fucking guys, man. It's getting rough. Um, you know, I, I do want to kind of speak on the pitching staff. I know before we get into the next game, I'm not trying to make this a long podcast, but I haven't talked to you in a while. So that's why I want to, uh, want to throw this out here. But the report came out today. Obviously, we know that uh, yesterday Raylo was put down to Schaumburg and Flores came up. Um but today, Carlos Rodon threw a simulated uh, 60 pitches or something like that. You know, simulated game there. 60 pitches, and that would put him on pace, Steve, to pitch Wednesday. Um, before we get into the game breakdown for tomorrow's uh, Sox-Royals game there in Kansas City, I wanted to talk about Carlos Rodon. And if he's healthy, where do you... Do you feel like he can be a starter on this team? I mean, it's nice to have another lefty in the lineup. I mean, we that that's for sure. You know, I just uh, I, I'm just curious to see how how this really plays out with him because he's he's a former first round pick. He has good stuff. Last year, before he went down with the injury, Steve had like 11.9 K through nine, and he was looking decent the first couple games until obviously the Tommy John struck. Yeah, I mean, here's basically where I'm at with Carlos Rodon. I am not anticipating anything out of him. Anything that the Sox are able to get from him is a plus at, at this juncture. Um, the couple of starts that he made here this season, the velocity was down significantly. And for reasons I can't quite understand, he kind of went away from the approach that he was taking last year that was leading to that increase in strikeout percentage where he was being predominantly slider heavy and not utilizing his fastball as much. Um, you know, I, I wrote a piece for us a couple of weeks back, just highlighting the fact that throughout the course of his career, his slider has been by far his best pitch. And it's the pitch that hitters have struggled with the most um, of all the pitches within his repertoire. And for some reason, I don't know if that's a decision by him or if it's been a decision by Grandal, who who caught him in each one of his appearances, that they weren't utilizing the slider as heavily as they were last season. So if his if he's able to come back and if his arm is healthy and if he's got you know the strength to utilize the full complement of his pitches, I want to see him getting back to utilizing that slider. Um, on a, on a more frequent basis because that's his best pitch. And that's really the pitch that sets the table for him. Um, he, he's never been a guy that's had good control or command of his fastball. That sliders always been the pitch that has allowed him to be a major league pitcher to be completely honest. So if he's able to get back with that, there's, there's possibility that he could have some, some utility for this team. But right now I just can't rely on Carlos Rodon for anything. Um, I think we're definitely going to see him in a position to make a couple of starts here. And I think putting him in a start against Pittsburgh would probably make sense. Although um, it gives me some scary flashbacks to the last time I saw Carlos Rodon pitch in person in Pittsburgh in uh, 2015 when he gave up six runs in the first inning. I'm just hopeful that we don't have to go through that nightmare again. All right. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I understand your point with, with Rodon. And I just... I sit and I ask myself, it's obviously, you and I have had this conversation, I know we've had this conversation, that we just don't think 
Ronaldo Lopez has in enough to be a starter. So we have to move him to the pen or whatever they choose to do with him. You know, I, I don't know what they're going to do with him, but that's that's obviously an option. And then we have Gio Gonzalez, who's hurt again. And we, I mean, I, I would like to see him maybe in the starting rotation because he did so well in Milwaukee last year. Uh, you know, and it just it kind of didn't translate over, but he he got hurt right off the bat as soon as he got here. If you remember before the whole COVID thing in spring training, he was hurt. Um, you know, and then of course now we we're sitting at Rodon, and I would love to see a draft pick work out. I don't know why I have this weird optimism about Carlos Rodon figuring it out, but I do. I have that optimism. I don't. Again, I'm not really sure why. I just remember, like I said, I, I think he's got the stuff to do it. Love his slider. Um, but what you just brought up, and you can read an awesome Carlos Rodon article at ontapsportsnet.com, written by Steve over here. But um, you know, I I want him to work out. That's what I want to happen. I guess we'll have to see, but we'll move in to the next game here, and that is tomorrow. Game starts at, uh, ooh, we're 6.05 tomorrow, huh? Nice. Yep. Nice. Okay, cool. So 6.05 start for the Sox tomorrow in Kansas City, and it's going to be our ace, our guy, Lucas Giolito, against Chris Bubich. That's that's how I'm saying his name, Bubich, and I'm pretty sure I got that right, so I'm I'm, I'm happy about that. Um, so interesting tidbit going into this game, Steve. James McCann caught tonight. Do you think James McCann catches tomorrow? Again, two days in a row here. I think it's possible we could see McCann catch tomorrow with Grandal DHing um, in place of Edwin. We all know Jose Abreu is not allowed to take days off. Um, you know, that's been pretty well established by Ricky at this point here. I have... <laughs> have a really hard time believing that they're going to sit uh, Yasmani Grandal back-to-back games. What I'm almost thinking is going to happen is that we would see McCann catch with Grandal DHing, Abreu at first, and then on Sunday we'll see Grandal catching um, and then Abreu at first again with Encarnacion back in the lineup. Or, or who knows, maybe even Grandal plays first base tomorrow. You know, with, with Abreu DH, but I would think that we're one way or the other, we're gonna see McCann and Grandal in the lineup tomorrow. That's just my guess. Yeah, I you know I just I've been pretty vocal about not splitting up Lucas Giolito and James McCann, and I'm gonna stay on that train just because if it seems like it works for him, dude. And I, I understand you know people always say, well, he's gonna have to learn how to do it. Well, you know what? I don't want him to learn right now. I want to keep winning ball games if he's if he's comfortable. Let him keep doing his thing. So I just I did think it was interesting tonight that Grandal had gotten the night off, and I was wondering if he was going to put McCann behind the plate two days in a row, just because like you, like we've said on this show before, it's kind of hard to do that when you you know went and signed a guy like Yasmani Grandal, you know. But um, again, hopefully he does play first base or he DHs tomorrow, and McCann can catch uh, McCann can catch Giolito here. But Giolito, um, he's been great this year. You know, he, he, he's been really good. He's had 34 strikeouts, three walks, and seven hits allowed in his past three starts. Pretty fucking cool numbers there. It's, those are cool and tough numbers. And he's going against a, you know, a Kansas City team that's not, doesn't really particularly hit him well. I mean, there's, a, you know, 100 Dozier's hitting 308 off of him in 13 at-bats. Alex Gordon is batting 222 off of him in 27 at-bats. This is my favorite one, Steve. This is my favorite one because I hate this son of a bitch. I hate Whit Merrifield. I hate him. If I had him, I would not hate him. I just want to clarify that real quick. 
But he, in 25 at bat, Steve, Whitmer Field's only bat 160 off Lucas. So, I mean, that astonished the shit out of me when I just looked at that. Because if, oh, I always feel like Whitmerfield whips our ass. That's I, that's at least how I always feel. Um, but he, yeah. So, I mean, no one in this lineup has done really anything to Lucas Giolito at all. Jorge Soler, 188, 16 at bats. So, um, I, I'm excited to see what the Sox do tomorrow, man. Yeah, yeah. You, you hit on a couple of uh, really key points right there. You know, first... Um, Keeping Whit Merrifield off the bases is, is going to be critical for for Lucas tomorrow here. Um, the Sox really need Giolito to be able to go out there and give them seven strong innings tomorrow. This mm-hmm. bullpen is so taxed right now. I know they got an off day coming up on Monday, but you got to figure, you know, Alex Colomay threw 40 pitches tonight. We're not going to see him no. available. Here. Right. Um, you know, Cody, Cody Hewer, granted, he didn't throw a lot of pitches, but he had to close out the fifth inning and then pitch the entire sixth inning. So his availability might be a little bit questionable. Foster got a little bit extended because he couldn't get out of the eighth inning there. So is he going to be available tomorrow? So the pen could be, you know, very light tomorrow. I mean, you could be looking at Jimmy Cordero, um, Zach Birdie, um, Bernardo Flores, who was recently called up and Steve Ciszek. So, you know, it, it could really be kind of slim pickings there tomorrow. So it's going to be very critical for Giolito to go out there, do what he does, get ahead and counts with consistency, um, utilize that elevated fastball, which, you know, truth be told, against the Twins, he, he didn't necessarily have great command of that pitch up in the strike zone to, to put hitters away. So hopefully he's able to rebound um, tomorrow with – and, and have that within his arsenal to be able to put the Kansas City hitters away. Um, look, th- this Royals lineup, this is not a, a particularly strong lineup, as you alluded to earlier. You know, you really just got to watch out for for really the top three guys within that lineup with Whit Merrifield, Hunter Dozier, and then Jorge Soler. If he's able to neutralize those guys, um, you know, Lucas Giolito should be able to go out there and have another real strong outing again tomorrow. Yeah, I know how you said seven innings, man. We we at least need that for our bullpen. I'm just I I'm praying that what you just said happens. Either that or a goddamn complete game shutout or something. Just because if if you can, you have back like you said, we're off Monday, but you have back to back days with you know being Saturday and Sunday's game with our two best pitchers on the mound that typically can go deep into games. So I'm really hoping that they're both able to do that. Let this bullpen get some rest going to Monday and off day. Everybody, you know, reset you know, heal their bodies for a day and then, and then move on. And that's the next series would be Pittsburgh. Correct. So, um, you know, moving into that Pittsburgh series with, um, you know, fresh bullpen arms and, you know, that's what needs to happen. So I'm, I'm very, I'm, I'm hoping for that big time. Who is your pick to click tomorrow, man? All right. So pick to click, we're going to have a lefty on the mound, which, you know, that's, I mean, you know, the Sox, you know, have been feasting on those guys throughout the course of the season here. So, um, with that in mind, I am going to go and I'm going to take, uh, I'm going to take TA because I think he's going to get the party started. I think, uh, I think he's going to get the pasta ready again tomorrow. Oh, I like you taking TA. Uh, cause I heard, isn't Keller starting Sunday? He is. That's yes. why I, w- I wanted to wait. I wanted to wait before I took TA because I want to take him against Keller. But I don't know if you saw on Twitter, I can't remember who said it to us, but everybody kept asking us why we're avoiding taking Luis Robert. And I, when we did the show together about a week ago or so, we we're like, it's like a cheat code. 
you know, I don't like taking him because I know he's going to do really well. Um, so tomorrow I'm actually going to go with my, ooh, with my pick to click tomorrow. I'm going to go Nick Madrigal. I have not chose him this year yet as to be one of my pick to clicks. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to take Madrigal tomorrow. I think he's going to do well. He, um, his career, which is a very, very short career. That was not a short joke at all. I didn't mean for it to come off that way. It sounded like it. My bad, my bad. <laughs> so in his career, I'm sorry. In his career um, against Chris Bubich here, he's um, he's batting 500, man. Okay, in four at bats, he's batting 500 with one ribby. So I'm gonna go magical tomorrow. I think he's gonna have a good time. I think he's gonna kick some ass. And uh, I, I, I am predicting right now, Steve, that we get his first extra base hit tomorrow. He is going to have an extra base hit before Nomar Mazzara has a fucking home run. Wow, that's a that is what we in the business like to call a very, very bold prediction right yes, there. That is that is a bold prediction. That I, <laughs> I'm going to be let down, I think, but I'm I'm fine with that. You know, yeah. I, 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 no. No more Mazzara, who's hitting like, you know, former White Sox legendary outfielder Juan Pierre, you know, <laughs> you know, nothing but singles all day. So Mazzara is basically him without the speed, stolen bases in defense right now. So, you know, Juan, Juan Pierre, you know, he's um, he's this episode's edition of my um, former White Sox legend that I'm working into the broadcast randomly. So there we've got that out of the way. <laughs> That's fantastic. Fucking uh, when I mean honestly, when is he gonna hit his fucking first home run, dude? Like I, twenty twenty one. You think he's in a Sox uniform when he hits it? I pray to God that he isn't. <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. He's gonna be like a Detroit Tiger, and he's gonna hit it when they're down twelve to one. He'll be the one, the one home run they get. Um, well, other than that, man, I got nothing else for tonight's episode. You got anything else to add before we ride out into the sunset? Nah, let's just let's get another win tomorrow here. Let's wrap this series up and uh, head into Sunday with Diamond Dallas on the mound going for a sweep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Before we're out of here, everybody be sure you're going to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Following us on Twitter at SoxOnTap, at ontapsportsnet. And anywhere you can listen to podcasts, you can listen to us. So be sure you give us a five-star rating and review. We'll be back tomorrow with a new edition of Socks on Tap. White Socks forever. White Sox for life. Are you a sports card collector? Are you looking to buy or sell your vintage cards? If so, contact Josh over at Midwest Vintage Cards. With over 25 years of experience in the field, Midwest Vintage Cards will pay you cash for your collection. Check out their eBay store by searching Midwest Vintage Cards or follow them on Instagram at Midwest Vintage Cards. Contact Josh at 847-602-8604 or email him at josh at midwestvintagecards.com to get your quote today.